This is Without Compromise, a show that explores what happens when you won't settle for anything less than your crazy ideas. We'll talk to athletes, founders, adventurers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds about living without compromise. I'm your host, Mason Gravely. Welcome to the show. We're programmed for survival, so our instinct is to give up on these situations, to move away from them. I thought if I didn't sign up for that race, that I was just going to disappear. It doesn't have to be these big, huge things that everyone thinks you need to do to make a difference. Before we jump into today's story, I wanted to give a little background, a little side story. Back in 2016, I was riding a bicycle across the U.S., and uh, it was it had been a really cold trip because it was winter time, but I was going through Phoenix, and it was warming up. But uh, I, I was going through town really early in the morning, trying to get through it before you know, traffic was bad and just make it to the other side of town before the end of the day. And I, I wanted to stop and get some coffee. I found this place called the Bicycle Nomad Cafe. And I thought that sounded really intriguing. That's pretty much what I'm doing right now. I'm a bicycle nomad. And I got to meet somebody named Eric Cedeno who owned the shop. And I never forgot it because it was such a great interaction. He was so friendly. He had all this experience biking around the country uh, and the world. And I didn't know, you know if I'd ever cross paths with this guy again. But here we are seven years later talking on this podcast. Uh, he's a huge fan of Athletic Brewing. Uh, and what we're doing with Soul Sour, beer that we release every year for Black History Month. And he has such an amazing story that I thought this would be just a perfect story to talk about black history um, because he's literally retracing black history on a bicycle, the passion that, that he has, bicycle travel. And so what this story is about is following and retracing the path that the all-black 25th Infantry Regiment Bicycle Corps took back in 1897, so post-Civil War, the U.S. Army was trying to see if bicycles were a, a good means of travel for uh, infantry. And so they wanted to do an experiment, a nearly 2,000-mile ride crossing some of the harshest conditions of the American West from Montana to Missouri, and they got this infantry, all black, like I said, to bicycle for 41 days from Montana to St. Louis, Missouri. And it was uh, one of the big biggest achievements in bicycling at the time and cycling uh, and still one of the biggest achievements. It's amazing. The world being what it was at the time, a lot of these stories and a lot of the people that were involved were lost to time. Uh, but folks like Eric are bringing the story back to the forefront of our minds, showcasing just how amazing of an accomplishment it was uh, and is and who these people are. We still don't know a lot of the names to the faces of this infantry, this all-black infantry that completed this. And by the way, you might know this infantry by their popular name, the Buffalo Soldiers. We do know everyone that participated, and we do have pictures of everyone, but we're not quite sure what names go with which faces. Eric is on a mission to find out what that is. So this adventure was the beginning of that. So we're going to hear this story. It's an awesome story. If you haven't already, crack open an athletic, sit back, be inspired by one of the coolest combinations of adventure and passion and history that I've ever come across. Let's dive in. All right, folks, welcome to the podcast. Don't know which one you're listening to. Could be Adventure Sports, could be Without Compromise, but nonetheless, Eric Cedeno, welcome to both the shows, actually. Thank you, Mason. Thank you for inviting me to the show. Yeah, yeah. So where are you coming from? 
So I'm in Santa Monica where uh, I reside right now. I know that you didn't grow up there. I know you you were born in Panama City, Panama, grew up or at least spent a lot of time in Miami. Uh, you know, what, what did you grow up doing? Did you grow up cycling or in, in which of those areas did you spend the most time? So, yeah, I, I was born in Panama and at the age of 14, 15, we moved to Miami and I lived in Miami pretty much till I went to college and I went to college in Daytona Beach at Bethune-Cookman University, which is HBCU. And then after college, moved to Pennsylvania. And uh, that's actually where I fell in love with cycling uh, in Philadelphia. And what happened was that I was getting tickets left and right <laughs> in Philadelphia because I had to move the vehicles. And I was not used to that in Miami, where you have to move the vehicles because they had to plow or clean the roads and the roads were narrow. And I just decided I don't need a car because at that point I had just graduated from college and I was looking to save money. I wanted to figure out how do I travel with what I'm making. And I decided, well, I have to pay rent and I love to eat. So I couldn't cut those out. And literally the car was next. And I decided, you know what? I live downtown. I work downtown. If I get a bike, if I get a bicycle, I just commute by bicycle. And that's what I did. I decided to give my, my dad, my car at the time I had a 92 Corolla (laughs) and yeah, 92 Corolla. And that 92 Corolla was pretty good to me. But I'm so glad that I gave up the car because I was able to save. I, I didn't have to pay card note. I didn't have to pay insurance. I didn't have to pay maintenance. And that's when I started saving to travel. And I fell in love with the bike. I'm like, this is pretty cool to move around by bike. And that's what I did for the last, actually, for about 15 years. I didn't have a car until recently and my wife has a car but um, I didn't have a car and, and I love living car free and that's how I fell in love with cycling. Philly I did not know that I didn't know you went to uh, Bethune-Cookman too I'm from Florida cycling here's a little different you know it's, it's harder to get into it's not as easy to do let's put it that way in some of the cities it's getting better but definitely not on the same level of like where you are now and some parts of the northeast for sure but so with getting into cycling in Pennsylvania, when did it start to turn into not just, you know, as a way to save money, way to commute, but a way to travel and to see the world and to learn? How did, how did that come about? Yes. Yeah, so after, after Philadelphia, I went back to Miami and I started doing triathlons. I, I grew up as a swimmer and, and a, long distance runner. So now that I picked up the bike, I'm like, oh, I combined all three sports and all three hobbies that I love. And I was living in Miami Beach and competing in triathlons. And I loved it. I loved it. But one of the things that I didn't like was after finishing, like working out and training for those triathlons and after finishing those competitions, I'm like, okay, what's next? (laughs) It was always like, what's next? And you, I, you go from a high to a low really fast, meaning like I train, I, I got this adrenaline and all of a sudden I'm done. And then I also got bored of traveling the same routes because I grew up in Miami and competing in Miami. 
I got bored of like seeing the same buildings and I wanted to see more. I've always been curious, even as a kid growing up in Panama, I, I was very curious about seeing the world. And that came from my mom. My mom, she was a traveler. So she took me everywhere around the world and I wanted to see more. I'm like, I wonder if I could go from Miami to Key West. It was just an idea by, in my head. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and I went from Miami to Key West and back the next day, literally 155 miles one way, 155 miles the other way. I didn't know much about traveling by bike, but I just wanted to see stuff. And I wanted to be on the bike. And I fell in love with it. I loved that I went 155 miles on my own power and the people that I met along the way and the food that I w- that I ate along the way, I was like, this is pretty cool. Now, the next time that I did it, I did it differently because I didn't do it in one way. I, I uh, 155 miles, I cut it in half and I enjoyed it better. And, and it was just a four day trip back and forth. And I wanted to see more. And in one of those trips, I decided, I wonder now, <laughs> Because I don't listen to music, I'm only listening to my thoughts, right? And I have all kinds of thoughts. And I wonder, in one of those trips, if I could go from border to border. Now, I didn't know which border, and I didn't know if it's north, south. But at that at that time, I started researching the Pacific North, uh, the Pacific Coast Highway from Vancouver to Tijuana. And six months, eight months later from that thought, that original thought, I made it happen. And I went up to Canada and, and I traveled along the Pacific Coast Highway. And man, it was, just, it was just the most beautiful experience ever. To wake up every morning in a different place, to meet people, to eat different kind of food. It was just, wow. I, I fell in love with it and I was like, this is what I want to do. And the following year, I went kind of like what you said in Florida from my house in Miami Beach, went from there to New York City because I wanted to see the Atlantic coast. And then after that, every year after that, I took 30 days for me to do a tour. For the past 14 years, I've traveled every single state except Alaska. Alaska is the, the last frontier now for me. <laughs> oh man! Hey, I don't. I, I'll cut this part. But my first trip, I found I found bike touring in college, and I just got the wild hair. I, I school got out, and I flew one way to Alaska. I got oh. a bicycle, and I rode it home here. Oh wow! And I did it in the summer, and dude, I, it was changed my life forever. Changed my life. So yeah. man, I can't tell you kindred spirit here with bike touring and the beauty of it. Yeah. And just I feel like it's so underrated. So many people don't even realize how wonderful of a lifestyle it is. But tell tell me about when did the combination, I will say, of bicycle travel, touring with storytelling, like history, when did that start to come together? Because to me, such a beautiful way to combine physicality with bringing history to life and learning about the places you're going through. When did you combine these two I guess, interests of yours. Yes. So after my first trip, which was beautiful, amazing, but also very physical. I I grew up in Miami where it's flat. And now I'm climbing uh, 
Washington and Oregon and, and the Pacific Northwest, there's high elevation. So for me, it was very challenging mentally and physically and spiritually. So I wanted to enjoy it, which I did. But when I went into the Atlantic coast, I started traveling through St. Augustine, right? And the history of St. Augustine in Florida. Went into Savannah, Georgia, and the history in Savannah, and into South Carolina and North Carolina, where I learned a lot about Civil War. And then I went into Virginia and to Jamestown. And I'm like, dang, I heard about Jamestown in history books, right? So now I'm reading historical markers, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, I didn't learn this. And then I go into D.C. and the history of D.C. and, and museums and Delaware and Philadelphia. And, and I learned about that. And, and Delaware and Philadelphia, I learned some about the Underground Railroad. And I knew some of it because I went to a predominantly Black college. But there was a lot that I didn't learn about. And then I go into New Jersey and some of the history in New Jersey. And then I get into New York, right? So that, to answer your question, sorry, it took a long time to answer that, but that's when I started like, wow, that was so beautiful where I learned so much about the landscape of this country, but the history of this country, traveling by bike. So I'm like, and, and I had two subjects that I, I was in love since I was a kid, all the way up to college. I loved geography and I loved history. And to be able to travel, and I went to college for travel and tourism management. So to be able to travel by bike and learn about the landscape, the geography of this country, and then also the history of this country by bike, I'm like, oh, that's it. Moving forward, I'm just gonna travel by bicycle and travel through history on my bike. So I started thinking about what's next. And that's when in 2014, early in 2014, I said, okay, I'm going to travel from New Orleans to Niagara Falls. And I want to travel through the Underground Railroad. What kind of goals did you have with this expedition? Obviously, maybe hitting historical landmarks or just things that were important to the Underground Railroad. What what kind of, it, it sounds like preparation for this was honestly learning the history, first of all, so that you know the places to go to or like the route to take. Two, what, what was the goal with trying to follow this, this route or where these events had happened? Well, for me, it was it's always being interested to look into the history of, of mankind, of human beings, and and how they find freedom, right? And that history for me is, even though it's a very dark history of this country, I wanted to celebrate the resilience of the freedom seekers, right? For me, it was about how people travel from one place to another just to look for freedom. And I started questioning, why do I wanna travel through what we call the Freedom Trail, the Underground Railroad, am I looking for my own freedom? And I find freedom when I'm on my bike, right? And obviously, I can't compare me, my freedom with what they were looking for, but freedom is freedom. 
And I wanted to learn the landscape. I wanted to know where they, the way they travel, right? So I'm traveling by bike, but they travel by foot. They travel on by horses. And there's a similarity that I found because along the way, I could never travel. And you have traveled by bike before. And you know that you're not able to travel by yourself. There's always people that come around to help you to go to the next place that you need to go to the next town. And that's what happened on the Underground Railroad. There was a system, a network of houses, businesses that helped each other for these freedom seekers to go to Canada to find their freedom. So for me, it was, it's always very, very important to not just to ride my bike, but to go to historical sites to also spend the night at historical places where they stay, which they call them underground railroad stations. And I do that. I, I've actually traveled the underground railroad twice in 2014 and in 2020, I went from New Orleans to Niagara Falls. And by bike, there's so much history that you could cover if you were on a motorcycle or in a car. By bike, obviously, you go a little slower and you're able to see more things, but you can't cover, like I can't go out of the route to go a hundred miles or 200 miles to come back to the route. So that's why I keep going back to the Underground Railroad because there's places that I missed and I'm like, oh, I gotta go back next time to those places. And that's why I, um, I go back to that route. And, but again, to answer your question, it's very important for me, and it's one of my goals and, and expectations that I put to myself. It's like, not just to ride the bike, but I want to spend the night at Underground Railroad Station because they spend the night there. I want to see what that feels like. I want to I I feel that energy. But I also, Mason, understood that these freedom seekers travel at night. And I was like, you know what? I want to feel that fear. I want to feel what it feels <laughs> to travel in the dark like they did. So several times, three or four days in different, in, in, in some of those states like Mississippi, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, I travel at night. In the middle of the night, I will wake up at 10, 11 o'clock at night and I will just bike through the night and into the morning just because I wanted to feel the sense of, of that fear that they felt traveling at night. But again, I, I engage myself in the, in the historical um, aspect of the Underground Railroad, but yeah. And there's something about the lessons you learn when, you, when you're going through something physical too, that the, it, it makes the lessons unforgettable. You know what I mean? If you were to do the same trip in a car, it would not... I'm not going to say worse experience or, you know, a less impactful experience, but it's different when you're putting in the miles yourself and you're putting in the effort yourself. It's almost like it solidifies what you're learning. What, what did that experience teach you? If you could sum it up. Well, it, it taught me about, you know, it's one thing to read it on books, but then when you travel through the same routes that they traveled, you could see the landscape of the country and you could see how resilient these people were to travel 
in, in the middle of the night to travel through swamp waters to, uh, yeah, it's just the resilience of those people. It's what, you know, sometimes what, what happened was there's a song called Follow the Drinking Gourd. Follow the Drinking Gourd was a spiritual song, a slave song that uh, freedom seekers will sing in plantation. Now, Follow the Drinking Gourd was not a, just a song. It was a GPS for, for them to escape and to travel into freedom and into Canada. And that's what the route that I chose. There's many routes of the Underground Railroad, but I chose this particular song because it, it says that you follow the Tennessee River to the Ohio River and the Big Dipper, which takes you into Canada and into freedom. And at night, when I'm camping in the banks of the Tennessee River, the Ohio River, and, and I don't have any food and I have mosquitoes uh, biting me, all I kept thinking about the resilience of those freedom seekers. You know, I complain about mosquito bites, so I, and I can only complain to myself, right? I'm like, oh man, these mosquito bites, and, and I ran out of food, and, and I could just think about what they went through, which is same thing. And it taught me a lot about them. I imagine a very eye-opening experience on how impactful history can be when you go through a small part of it yourself, um, retrace these experiences, uh, and, and in your form, be it through bicycle. Uh, the next adventure you did, retracing history, bringing history uh, uh, to the masses and, and, and little-known stories making people more aware was not just a path that was historically significant, but also the bicycle was directly involved, and that's the Bicycle Corps, the Buffalo Soldiers. This is not only a, a, a route you could trace. This is a route that actually involved bikes as well, and I, I want to hear about the story of where this came from because I had heard little bits about this growing up, um, getting into bike touring. I had seen the picture of the bicycle corps basically posing on in the Yellowstone. Yeah, the, the geothermal features there. You took it to a whole nother level and started learning about this adventure to retrace it. Tell me about how that came about. How'd you learn about that? Like I mentioned, I love history. So when I, I had about four expeditions <laughs> and actually after, just before the Underground Railroad. So just before the Underground Railroad, I started thinking, who were the first people that traveled by bicycle, right? And the history of bikepacking and the history of, of, tour, of bicycle touring, where did they go? And who were they? So I started looking into history of around 1890s. There was a, a big craze on traveling by bicycle. You know, one person, two people team. And I was fascinated. I was like, man, people were traveling by bike way back in 1890. Actually, there's a couple of people that travel in 1886 by bicycle. But when I came across the Bicycle Corps, the Buffalo Soldiers, I just became fascinated because as a person of color, I didn't see other people of color traveling by bike. And I'm sure that it happened, but it wasn't documented. And it was the first time I came across documentation of black men on bicycle going cross country. And I just like, wow, 
and I wanted to learn more. And how come I didn't learn this before, you know, when I was in school, when I was in college? Like I mentioned, if I, if I did, if, I, if, that was, if that was taught to me when I was in high school or in college, I probably would have started traveling by bike way before I started. And I said, I want to learn more about this, right? I wanted, I wanted to connect with those men. And back in 2014 or 2015, that's when I started going into the rabbit hole, I call it. And I became fascinated. I wanted to learn. You know, one of the things, Mason, what I learned was Lieutenant Moss, who was in charge of the expedition. I learned a lot about him. But history book also said Lieutenant Moss and the Bicycle Corps. And I didn't know anything about the Bicycle Corps. I just, how come they, we didn't name the guys? Like, I wanted to know their names. I wanted to know where they were from, where they died. Did they have descendants? I wanted to know what they thought about because I know what goes into my mind. And when I journal, right, can I find what they went through in their minds traveling by bicycle? All that stuff, Mason, like I, I just became fascinated. My wife says obsessed about this history. And, and I knew back then that I was going to retrace it. I just didn't know when. And I also knew that I needed to learn more about the history so I could tell the history through my medium, through my social uh, channels and pay homage and give those guys dignity. And back then I, I just knew basic. And it took me six years, seven years to learn about this history. And in 2020, I decided, a friend of mine was like, hey, what are you gonna do in 2022? And he knows that I always take time to, to do a project. And I said, in 2022, I would love to travel around the 1897 expedition of the Bicycle Corps because I'm ready now. I know every single guy by name. I know where they were, where they were born, where they died. I knew about the history of the route. I knew where they went. I mean, I just knew everything that I could possibly research. And in 1897, so in 2022, this year was 125 years anniversary from that route. And I was like, that's it. In 2022, I have to pay homage to these guys. This 1,900-mile route, like you said, in 1897 uh, of an all-black corps of the military called the Buffalo Soldiers, the Bicycle Corps, went from Missoula, Montana, Fort Missoula, to St. Louis, Missouri. And it took them approximately 41 days Tell us about like what it was like getting this together, lining up. I, it looked like other people started with you and following this route. I imagine a lot of it's still relatively rural, re relatively undeveloped. It was so important for me to start when they started. So they started June 14 of 1897. I started June 14 of 2022, but I started at 530 in the morning and they started at 530 in the morning. Now, they wanted to start at 5.30, but they didn't leave till 5.40, which is when I left as well. So <laughs> Running a little late. Yeah, no, I wanted to start where they started, the same um, at Fort Missoula, where they started, and they were stationed at 5.40 in the morning. Not a minute before, not a minute late. Um, again, I want, when, I, when I do this trip, 
I go deep into the history of, of, of the actual expedition. And it, it, when I started doing the research, I first came across the map, the original map, then came across the journal of the Lieutenant Moss. And also they had a journalist. He was 19 years old, University of Montana student. And he was the journalist of the expedition. And I came across his journal as well. So literally I have day by day what they, where they went, usually where they camped, what they ate. I have everything. And when I started this year, there was a group of people that uh, from Missoula, because it's a 125 year um, anniversary, they wanted to join. And they rode with me, uh, local cyclists rode with me five miles from Fort Missoula to downtown Missoula. And then after that, I was on my own. But, but, but also, yeah, very rural. Um, what they did is they traveled through a railroad. They followed the railroad line. This expedition for me was about 70% gravel. Um, and then about 30, 35% of it was paved. And yeah, it was beautiful because it's very rural and some of the places that they went through and, and some of the towns still exist. Some of the towns are not there anymore. Compared to what they did, what were some of the things you were most looking forward to either seeing or experiencing that you had maybe learned about before starting? Well, Fort Missoula one, where they started, where they were stationed, and currently there's a museum there that has an exhibit about the bicycle course. So I was very excited to, to start where they started and they were stationed. To me, similar to the Underground Railroad experience where I stayed at Underground Railroad stations, I wanted to camp and I wanted to stay in military bases or military fort that they stayed. So my first, my first experience in, in Helena, Montana, about three, four days from Missoula, Montana, they stayed Fort Harrison in, in Helena, Montana. That was the first experience where they stayed in Fort Harrison and I wanted to stay there, but it's actually a fort and, and I couldn't stay there because I'm not military. At first, for the past, right before I left, about six months, seven months before I left, I kept calling them almost every week to see if I could stay there. And I wasn't successful, but when I went through Helena, just before I went to my campsite, I'm like, I'm gonna go to the museum in Fort Harrison, which I was able to go in. And right when I go in, Mason, there was a lady that kept waving at me from her office. And I'm like, waving back. She comes down and said, hey, aren't you the guy who's retracing the bicycle cord, the Buffalo Soldiers route? And I'm like, yeah, how did you know? And she said, I saw you on the news. And she said, well, how can I help you? I'm like, I would love to stay at this fort because those guys stayed here. And she said, well, I have to make that happen. I'm the, uh, she said, I'm the Colonel of Fort Harrison. And I'm like, oh, how cool is that? Because for seven months, like I mentioned, to, I wanted to stay there and I wasn't able to, no one was able to approve that until I got there. And that's the beauty of traveling by bike. When I travel by bike, Mason through history, I call out the names 
of the freedom seekers in the Underground Railroad. And on this one, retracing the Bicycle Corps expedition of the 1897, I will call out while I'm riding my bike, will call out the names of the cyclists, of the black cyclists to tell me their story. I'm just like talking to them, right? So I'm like, hey, Private John Wilson, Private John Finley, Mingo Sanders, tell me what happened here. Like, I wanna know the story. And these opportunities happen. And I always say it's probably because I'm connecting with them because what are the chances out of this whole place? I just happened to go there and this Colonel happened to see the news that morning and she saw me arriving. You know what I mean? Like how that connections happen. And I know how it happens is, is this guy's telling me their stories and I was able to stay there. That was a highlight of this expedition because I really want to stay in places that they stay. I want to eat where they ate and, and happen again in Big Timber, Montana, where it was reported by the journalists that when they got to Big Timber, Montana, there was a civil war soldier waving at the, at the Buffalo soldiers that they, they came in into town and he waved them into the tavern and he decided he wanted to buy a drink for everyone in the expedition. And I thought that was pretty cool because I read there was a lot of some, there was some highlights and not so highlights. They, they experienced some, they experienced some like racism along the way, but they, they experienced some really cool people along the way, like this civil war soldier who invited everyone to have a drink at this tavern. And I wanted to find that tavern. And with the help of some historians, we found the tavern, which is still there. It's called the Grand Hotel. The Grand Hotel has a tavern where it was built in 1890s. And, and it was really cool to, to be able to go inside that, that tavern. And I spoke to the manager. I spoke to the bartender about the history of the, of the bicycle corps that came through Big Timber. And they didn't know anything about it, but they were like, well, if they got a drink, you got you deserve a drink too. So uh, I got a drink from them, and that was pretty cool as well to have that experience. And and they took me to the basement of of, of the Grand Hotel where I, I got to see some some of the history of that establishment. But yeah, so I also when I went to Livingston, Montana, which I have a picture that I'm going to share with you after our after the podcast, where I was able to recreate one of the pictures. I, I have a lot of 1897 photos of that expedition. And I was like, I want to recreate at least one of those. And I want to go to exactly where they went to and recreate one of those photos. And, and I was able to do it in Livingston, Montana. So as you approach the finish of this expedition, uh, watching one of the films made about it and one of the short films, there was quite a, a group of people gathered. Uh, was that something you put together? Uh, and, and also, people just seemed very excited to be bringing this story to life. Um, tell us about maybe some of the feedback you got about sh showing, giving more light to something that has been forgotten by history. Yes, yeah, so that's the power of social media, right? So once I put it 
I put that I was doing this and I was celebrating the, the 125 year anniversary of the Bicycle Corps. I started getting different organizations that were working on their own to celebrate the accomplishment of the Bicycle Corps. So it happened in Missoula, Montana, where the locals were celebrating, they were stationed there. So Missoula, Destination Missoula, which is the, the travel and tourism Bureau of, 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 of Missoula, they had a celebration going also for Missoula with the, ex, there, there's a museum there and the exhibition of the Bicycle Corps. They were doing their own celebration, right? So I was planning my route. And also I learned later that Missouri State Parks was putting a celebration for, to celebrate their arrival, not only their arrival, but they wanted to celebrate. It took about seven days for the Bicycle Corps to travel through Missouri. And Missouri State Park wanted to celebrate that day by day. So they actually were putting a celebration at some of the state parks where the Bicycle Corps stayed. So they were doing some storytelling along the way so the power, when I said the power of, of social media and also people are like, oh, you guys should connect with Eric Cedeno and Eric Cedeno, you should connect with Missouri State Park. Eric Cedeno, you should connect with Destination Missoula. We all connected because we were doing kind of the same work, you see. And they also have an army band uh, playing a song as I, uh, as I was arriving. They knew that I wanted to arrive when they arrived, so everything was organized uh, like that. It was so great, it was so great. It was just magical, Mason, because if I would have done this five years ago, three years ago, or last year, I, I still would have been celebrated, but it would not have been the celebration that we had this year because there were so many organizations like Missouri State Park, like mm -hmm. Destination, Missoula, uh, paying homage and celebrating the accomplishment on the 125 year anniversary of the 1897 expedition, you know. For that expedition, do, do you feel like you accomplished what you set out to do? Yeah, that's such an insightful question because I want to go back to when I arrived, because when those guys arrived, there was reported there was thousands and thousands of people, some books, and some, some account says over 10,000 people welcome the Bicycle Corps when they arrive to St. Louis. And that was pretty cool to be celebrated for those guys. I, I'm just so emotional when I think about that because of what they went through physically, emotionally, and uh, along those routes. And to be celebrated as heroes where the newspaper, the St. Louis newspaper called it the greatest cycling achievement ever, right? Uh, until this day, I think that quote is still, to me, is probably one of the greatest cycling achievements ever by, by, by cyclists. But to answer your question, yes, I prepared myself with research. And that's what I, I, I wanted to do this. I knew that I wanted to do this back in 2014. I knew I was going to retrace this route one day. But I wanted to pay homage to them and I wanted to make sure that I told their story correctly. And I did that. I, I, I did that because on, 
on social media, what I was doing is I had day by day accounts of what happened in each place they arrived and what happened between place between towns. And I was able to do that from day one all the way up to day 41 on social media. So I wanted to tell their story. This is not my story. This is their story. I wanted to, I wanted to leave everything like on the table, right? Like I wanted to tell as much of the history that I know, I wanted to tell it. So I'm so glad that I have some sponsors as well that created Hammerhead, created a film called Truth and Dignity. And it's only a seven minute, eight minute film, but it told the story of why I was so interested in telling the story and, 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 and telling their story, right? So yeah, I, I feel like I was able to accomplish what I sought, what I wanted to um, on this expedition, but there's a lot of work that I'm doing I think that retracing that route is only 15% of the work that I knew I, I wanted to do. The other, the other work that I'm doing to give them dignity, I always say, I call this dignity and truth because I wanted to give dignity to this man that was not given to them while they were alive. And I wanted to tell the actual truth that some of the books have not told because they're focused on on the actual expedition, my, my focus is more on, on the black soldiers, on the black cyclists that I called them the original bike packers because just, just to tell you that when I learned about who were those guys, I wanted to learn their personality. I wanted to learn again, like where they were born, were they married? Did they have kids? Where are they buried? For me, those guys are my heroes. And I want to celebrate them as that. So I learned all 20 of those guys' names. Can I, okay, so now I have all 20 names, but what I don't have is the faces with the names because it wasn't documented by the army who these guys were. Like I could tell you who the lieutenant, the white lieutenant, I could tell you who the white doctor, he's the military doctor, Dr. Kennedy, and I could tell you the journalist who's um, 19 year old and, and I'm so glad that they went, right? I give them all the credit because the Lieutenant created this and I give them credit. I give credit to the doctor. I give credit to the journalist because we have these photos and we have this account because of them. But how come I'm not able to tell the faces with the names? How come that, that wasn't important to document? To me, it is, again, those are my heroes. So some of the work that I'm doing now is to put in names with the faith. Now, the past three years, I've worked with, his, with, with historians and we're able to recognize eight of them by face and name. There's 12 more cyclists that we're not, we don't know who they are. Like I have names, but I can't put it with their faces. And it's very important for me to recognize all 20 of them. For 125 years, that hasn't been done. And I have a son, and when he grows old enough so I could tell him the history of who my heroes are, I want to be able to tell him face and name who they are, right? And I want to tell them, like, he was born here, he died here. Another thing, talking about where they died and where they're buried, 
there's a there's a few of those guys that were buried without a grave marker. And about two years ago, we recognized that private John Finley, which we were able to recognize by face and name, and also he's the, the mechanic of the expedition. We knew where he died, but we didn't know where he was buried. And we realized that it was because where he was buried, there was no there was no grave marker. So two years ago, we were able to work with the VA. And finally, about nine months ago, 10 months ago, we were able to put a, a new grave marker at Private John Finley. And now I'm working on a second soldier. His name is John Wilson. He's buried in Chicago. At least we believe that's where he is buried. And now we're working with the VA to also put a grave marker. So. I wanted to retrace the history of the 1897 expedition, but I also want to be able to name each one of them by face and name, and also want to make sure that each of them are buried properly with uh, a grave marker. So, yeah, I think I set out to do this project and potentially this is now like a, a life work because there's so much work to do, you know, and, and I can't do it in a year or two. It's going to, it's going to be a while. And now I'm thinking of going back to Montana. They're, they did three expedition, Mason. They did a, in 1896, they did two expedition, one from Missoula, Montana to Lake McDonald. It's about 125 miles, 150 miles each way. So 300 miles. And that was their first expedition. The second expedition, 1896, they went from Missoula, Montana to Yellowstone. And that's where you see some of those cool Yellowstone photos. That was their second expedition. And that was about 800 miles round trip. Literally it's about 600 miles round trip, but they did 200 miles within, the, within Yellowstone. So it's about 800 miles completely on that expedition. And then the 1897, which is 1900 miles. I recently started thinking I'm going to go back and I'm going to do all three expeditions. So I just did the 1897. Now I'm going back to do those two in 1896 back in Montana. So my first one is going to be in August. August 6th is actually when they went from Missoula, Montana to Lake McDonald, which is part of Glacier National Park. And Mason, you asked me like, why was so, now I remember, you asked me why it was so important for me to, to tell the story. And, and, and literally, is, this is a good way for me to end this conversation. Um, Mason, it's so important for me to tell this story because when we started talking about traveling by bike, and I mentioned that I wish I would have known this when I was in high school and when I was in college, because I would have probably started traveling by bike then this history of the bicycle corps I would have been connected to as a person of color and and I would have started traveling I didn't have an example so so it's so important for me to tell my son other friends sons and other people to travel by bike and and that's why I thought it was so important to celebrate uh, their history of the bicycle corps but also I saw that these were pioneers. We always celebrate in, in, in the U.S., we always celebrate pioneers. We always celebrate history of, 
of, of explorers and this and that, but how come they weren't celebrated? So for me, it's so important to, to celebrate them and put and to shine a light to a part of cycling history, US history, and that's why I wanted to do it. You can learn more about Eric and this story at IamBicycleNomad.com and also following him on Instagram, Bicycle underscore Nomad. He's doing a lot of cool stuff, so follow along. If you want to check out any of the beers that Athletic Brewing has been making, they're amazing, AthleticBrewing.com. You can order them right there and get them shipped to you or find us in store shelves all over U.S., Canada, U.K., and E.U.